Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shank needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast. Coming up on the show, we'll relive a shocking Saturday afternoon between West Coast and Collingwood. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I'm joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, tough one this week. Welcome back to the show. What uh, what did we make of all of that? Yeah, pretty flat. Um, uh, main takeaway for me is uh, just what a difference a week makes because um, basically almost exactly one week between the start of the Port game and the finish of the Saints game. And so in that time, we went from premiership favourites to uh, sacking Simo and folding the club. Yeah, some good draft picks on the horizon. So maybe we'll turn our attention to that a little later on in the show. Joining us to do so will be Keys. And Keys, uh, we all expected a pretty good weekend. It turned into basically just the worst disaster imaginable. Yeah, it was um, it was an odd game. Well, two and a half quarters in, it was looking you know, not too bad. And then if the first half of the Port game was football perfection, the last 40-odd minutes of the game against Silda was the um, polar opposite of it. It was just an absolute disaster. And I reckon Simo might still be scratching his head as to what the fuck went wrong. Well, I reckon, guys, the only way to deal with this is to dive straight in. I think we've got to just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go through the Saints game. West Coast Eagles, 13 goals for 82, were defeated by St Kilda, 15 goals, 12, 102. Now, the Eagles were on 13-3 midway through the third, sitting pretty. I think they only scored one behind after that. And all in all, as we've discussed, disaster, very ugly, and not a fun way to spend the weekend. Thank you very much for everybody who sent in their three-word reviews. Uh, we got a lot this week, probably a record amount, and it was a shocking week to do it in, so... Stick with us. We had Tyler told us that the Eagles were outmuscled, outworked, outclassed. Monica said mids were abominable. Kim says just no guts. Paul, that loss hurts. Greg says hunger wins premierships. And Rod, very succinctly, just put no f***ing pressure. Keys, it was a pretty bad way to spend the weekend, as we've said. And although the Eagles looked pretty much set for a win halfway through the third, it, it all just crumbled. What the hell went wrong? It was a funny guy. I mean, we got to that 33-point lead pretty much exactly through the third quarter. But the odd thing was, I, I don't know that we were actually playing all that well. I think what was happening is we were we were punishing their mistakes and they weren't punishing ours. And I think we had a... I mean, 13 goals, three is remarkably efficient kicking and I think they had seven, six. I remember making a comment on the game day through to the halftime that, you know, if St Kilda actually start tidying up their forward 50 entries and things like that. This game's not over. And I'm not sure what the inside 50 count was when we when we were leading, but it probably would have been fairly even. And, you know, for a 33-point lead, I think that flattered us. Then the wheels just totally fell off. I actually, in prep for the pod, I actually went back and watched a bit of the game oh, again last God. night. Why would you do that? Was, yeah, I, I just wanted to try and get, there was a period in that third quarter where the game turned and I wanted to try and get my head around why and how and, and what what might have happened. But basically, there was 10 minutes, 24 left when Petch kicked the goal where he did a perfect front and centre off a darling and then snapped it from the pocket. And you thought, well, you know, this is, this is starting to go all right. You know, hopefully we'll be able to pull away. Then a bit after that, with eight minutes, 40, Ryan um, got a pass in from Kelly, I think, after we turned the Saints, turned the ball over. He had a shot from about 45 out, kicked out in the full. Mm. Now, kick that with 39 up and things are starting to look all right. Directly after that, we still controlled the ball. We still controlled the ball in our forward half, but a couple of inside 50s were, were less than ideal. Um 
but still locking it in as well. The Saints found still, it really hard to lock, get it out. Still locking it in. Then six minutes, 35 to go. The Saints finally got it down into their forward line, their first inside 50 for some time. And uh, Dan Butler kicked the goal after um, for, there's a boundary throw in. Next tap got sharked by Steele. Ball worked its way out to Butler and he stepped the goal. Got him a bit up and about. Centre clearance. St. Kilda centre clearance straight down. Butler gets on the end of it. Dribbles a kick, which fortunately hit the post. But then that was it. That was We've seen this movie before. We got hemmed in because we kept on going long to the right-hand side. Five-minute mark. Brass took a good intercept mark. Back pocket. Easy little chip pass to um, McGovern, who was at top of the goal square. Except he f***ed it up completely. Gov got pinged for holding the ball, which was... Did he have prior? Didn't he? No, but it was one that was possibly there. St Kilda get the goal. And then that was, yeah, they got another, Butler got another goal a couple of minutes later. And um, that was all we wrote. They got their tails up, started cleaning up their ball use. They just swarmed all over us and we just made, there was just some horrendous, horrendous mistakes made in those last 40 minutes by us. We just went to water. St Kilda got their tails up and just ran over the top of us. I, you know, credit for St Kilda. They whilst they were behind on the scoreboard, I don't think their effort levels dropped at any stage. There's their skills, like I said at the top, their skills were probably letting them down a bit and they turned it over and we made them pay. But as soon as they you know tidied that up, they were still winning the ball. They were beating us up around the footy. Our better players like our leaders players in through the middle, you know, Nat knew he had a he, he didn't have his best game. Kelly, when he won the ball, you know, it was turning over left, right and centre. His handballing was horrible. Gath had no influence. Sheet had no influence. The forwards were making the most of the opportunities, but then they completely dried up after midway through the third quarter. I thought Barras and Gov for two and a half quarters had done okay, but then the damn wall broke. Yeah, losing, losing Hearn in the first 10 minutes didn't help. Just, yeah, not much to, to take away from that. And, you know, we've seen this movie before where... You know, we, we have patches in games where we're going all right and then just turn to complete shit and something we need to address because, you know, if you look back over the last two years or so since the grand final, it's something that's happening way more frequently than than we'd like and they need to address it. So more three-word reviews sent in by the listeners. Luke says, drinking own bathwater. Matt says, midfield well beaten. James, turnovers under pressure. Never ease up, says Lee. Gaff didn't show, says Emerson. DK just says simply, weak as piss. Ted is sick of commentators. Bart says, premiership window closing. And Michael says, where to now? Where to now, Miguel? Because as Keith said, it's a story we've seen time and time again. I think they even showed a graphic at one point. All of our scores were coming off the half-back line. We weren't getting anything from the clearances. Now, we've since found out apparently Sheed was sick and, and, you know, Kelly's disposal wasn't good, this, that and the other. But... Nick's still winning the taps. The midfield just weren't getting on the end of them and they certainly weren't getting clean ball use out. With no Shuey and with no Yo for the foreseeable future, how do we figure this problem out? Because it's only going to get worse, you would have thought. Yeah, it's a good question, but I think it's well, partly it's it's Nick Nat's uh, dominance and yeah, even though he won the hitouts, I don't think he um, he would have won a lot of them to advantage. There was probably one, was at the start of the third quarter, where there was just one beautiful tap down Kelly, to, yeah. to Kelly that went straight in. But the, that was the only one of those I could remember. So even though he was winning the taps, I thought Marshall and, and Jake Carlisle, surprisingly, did, did a good job of sort of um, negating his impact. Uh, and then once the ball hit the deck, it was really just a, a matter of intent as much as anything that... Um, St Kilda were just getting to the ball first and yeah, we were getting smashed in ground ball uh, and contested ball and that's that's an intent thing for me. So it's it's on, you know, we don't have a lot of midfielders to come through. I know that people are talking about bringing in Zane True or, or um, bringing back Xavier O'Neill, but I think it's on the guys that are there to just lift their intent and yeah, it really starts there because we, yeah, especially with her now, we can't be starting our attacks from the, the half back line. We've, we've got to be winning the ball out of the middle. And that's when we've looked the best. And you know, the port game, that's what we were doing. We were just going straight from a set of bounce inside 50 goals, set of bounce inside 50 goal. And that's the easiest way to do it. And we've got the weapons there to be able to do it. But it was just an intent thing for us. And not to take anything away from the Saints, because as Keys said, their dominance in the middle 
probably wasn't reflected on the scoreboard for the first two and a half quarters, but they were matching us, if not exceeding us, for, for that period before they just yeah, flicked a switch and turned it on in that late in the third quarter and into the fourth that we couldn't go with. I think it's it's on the senior guys. There was a complete lack of composure when the Saints did turn it up. Uh, we lost you know, lost all our structures, lost all our um, all our composure, and yeah, that's got to be on the senior guys. And having Hearn out hurt because he provides that drive out of defence, but. Yeah, we, we need to lift this week. Some damning stats. And, and Miguel, you talked about the contested ball. That's something that we praised the week before, you know. Port Adelaide are the number one contested footy team in the league. And we went head-to-head with them, and we went toe-to-toe with them, and we beat them, you know. You come up against the Saints, and suddenly it all just capitulates. You've got Kelly here has five clearances, Redden two, and Sheed two. So there's nine between, your, your, in theory, your three senior inside mids. Zach Jones had ten on his own. And St Kilda don't use the footy a lot. They, I think they were 16th for disposals when we did the research last week. One, two, three, four. They've got five guys who have more touches than our leading disposal getter. And the disposal count, they out, uh, outdid us in that regard by pretty much 100, which is just, it's not the script you would have written for the game. Uh, and it basically, yeah, to me, it comes down to work rate. Keys, we've seen a sentiment across the board and a few tweets here and there, people talking about it, that the Eagles might have lost this one at selection. For me, the Eagles' selection got us in a position to win that game. And as you rightly pointed out, let's say Liam Ryan kicks that goal instead of kicking it out on the full, that might have broken the Saints. You know, it's a down-on-the-luck team, young team, maybe they drop their heads and that's you can you can really go on with it, make a score of it. But was it lost at selection? We've got Winder in as for a debut as the injury sub. Waterman's in off one waffle game. Did we just leave ourselves a little bit light on? It's hard to know. I, I think when you select a side, you don't plan for Hearn to go down in the first 10 minutes. I think that really did hurt us. But I think what happened is is the selection that we did compounded Hearn being injured because I'll get to you know choosing Winder as a sub in the villains as well. But I, I think the, mis- the mistake with Winder is he's at this stage of his you know his first game is it's essentially he's a specialist small forward. That's his role. That was, you know, if he got picked in the 22, that's the role he would have played. And I think the problem is when you go with a guy like that as your sub, you lose your flexibility. And what what happened is had we picked, say, O'Neill as a sub, we could have pushed O'Neill into the midfield and thrown Duggan back as a defender to cover Hearn. And by and large, we retain our structure. What actually ended up happening is... Because Winder's a forward, we, we had to effectively move a forward back, which was, was Waterman. You know, he was pretty much all at sea. He was still trying to find his touch. He probably should have had another week in the waffle because he was he was rusty. Who knows what might have happened had he played the game as a forward. It might not have been quite... The rust might not have been quite so evident. But, you know, he's coming back a little bit underdone and then thrown into a unfamiliar position. So possibly... You know, selection didn't help us, but I don't. At the end of it, I don't think that's what cost us the game. I mean, you know, we keep putting back. You, you know, no one was crying about selection halfway through the third quarter when we're um, five goals up. So this is not selection. This is mindset, and it's you know, we go back to it as where we we need to address what's going on because I hate to sort of say the players pick and choose because I don't really think a players consciously say, well, I'm going to try today or I'm not going to try today. But too often, as a collective, we lose our resilience and we get overrun. You know, this is not the first time where we've had eight goals put on us without reply. It shouldn't all be on Shuey and Hearn. No one's underselling the importance of your key leaders. I know Hearn's not actually in the leadership group anymore, but I know we don't have those guys. Someone else has to have that mentality of, fuck this, I'm going to go and win the game. And we've seen it from Kelly in the past. We've definitely seen it from Nat Nui in the past. You know, that, the we Saints saw, game last year. We saw it from Kelly against St Kilda last year. That's exactly right. The exact the exact one I was going to say was, you know, we had nobodies in the midfield. With all due respect, they were kids. They were debutantes. They were untried players in the hub and, you know, playing our fifth game in 14 days or whatever the hell we were doing back then. And Kelly absolutely rolled them. We've seen Nick Nat pull games out. Uh, Ryan did his best to try and get involved. I actually thought a couple of little passages off the half-back line, but nobody really just grabbed that game and ripped it away from the Saints because, Keys, as you pointed out, you know, once the Saints got on their roll, that was, that was, everybody knew what was coming. We were all hoping for the best, but everyone knew what was going to happen. Miguel, a couple of positives. Let's try and spin it a little bit and save a bit of face out of this game. 
Jack Petricelli, I will cop to this. I've not written him off entirely as a footballer, but I'm, I'm not really thrilled with seeing him named at the moment. It's a bit of an experiment still for me that we're waiting to see sort of bear some fruit. Well, Saturday was the day because he's kicked four goals, but they weren't four goals out the back where he just got his speed on and, and happened to get on the end of it. No, these were crumbing. These were roving the taps. These were reading packs, dancing through traffic. He's linking up on the wing and then following up, getting his own footy. Where the hell did this come from from Petch? What a day. Yeah, it was uh, very reminiscent of his game against Port a couple of years ago. And um, also that was another big loss as well. Was it a couple of years ago or last year? It was a couple of years yeah, ago, a few wasn't years it? ago. Um, but a lot of those, to me, were getting him out the back of their structure. Whereas to this, Petch yeah, was going well, and getting his own footy and, and, you know, put it inside 54 times himself as well. Yeah, so that was really pleasing. And, and I was a bit like you. He, he wasn't in my team when I did the selections for the Port game. And then he played all right, but... I think he kicked a goal in that, but didn't do much and sort of, yeah, happy for him to get another game rather than you know, go up and down between levels. But yeah, he, uh, he really gave us something up forward when we were really struggling when we got in there. So um, yeah, that was that was really pleasing. Um, Shepard in his 200th, I think, was another, um, another pleasing one for me. I thought he played on memory for most of the game, uh, really beaten. Yeah, it was just about the only other one that I can think of that could hold his head high after that game. Jared Brander as well had a really strong first half, faded a little bit, but you know I, I thought he showed a, a fair bit and actually showed a bit of grunt as well, which is mainly the next step I want to see from him. You know, intercept marks and going inside fifty, a little bit of attitude from Jared Brander, case. Yeah, I was going to say Brander was the one. I was going to say I thought he he actually played quite well, and I think in that. I think at one stage in the first quarter, you had four or five intercept marks. So he was actually going quite well. So, you know, on a on a dirty day, I think he was, you know, he, he was a bit of a shining light when there were precious few. And I think he, I mean, his performance probably, you know, takes away the, the argument that we were too tall because I think he, he did play right. And, you know, I don't think, it, you know, him being too tall was a factor in us getting overrun in that last quarter. You know, Winder got his first goal. Good for him. It's nice for him to get a couple of touches. So it was a join the first kick, first goal club. You know, he showed that you know, there might be a little bit there to work with. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I don't have any positive more than that. Moving on to some news for the week, and a lot of these are going to centre around injuries yet again because, guys, it seems to be the prevailing theme of the season thus far as a key player getting injured. Every week, seemingly. First up, Luke Shuey, of course, did the hamstring against Port Adelaide. He's gone in for surgery. He's going to be out for at least 10 weeks by the looks of it. He's not going to be back until after our bye. So, you know, you're looking at around 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that space. Uh, Elliot Yo, there were rumours and there was chat from the club that we were going to start hearing a timetable, but he is still TBC. Couple more guys looking to make their return through the waffle this week. You've got Archie as a test, Mark Hutchings as a test. Could be one that we turn to to try and address the midfield issues. Another senior body and, you know, maybe can play a negating role going forward, but a bit of a run in the waffle due for Hutch. Uh, Jared Cameron is a test, which is good news. He's been out for a fair while with the groin issue. And Ben Johnson, also a test. Keys, of course, the big story of the week. Shannon Hearn, calf. Two to three weeks is okay. Obviously not ideal, but it's okay. It's better than it could have been. And he's, he's now sitting joint atop the games played leaderboard. We won't get to see him run out this week, but Keys, all things considered, you know, still should be on track for Shannon Hearn to break the record and maybe then kick on to 300 this year. Yeah, you don't know. Hopefully it's, yeah, does not much too serious with it and they conservative with it, giving the two to three weeks off, getting back in, make sure it's right. You know, he's at that age where, you know, calf injuries can become a recurring type thing. Hopefully there's not much to it and we'll see because it's, we're around four, we've got 18 games left, so we, we've got to get 10 out of him to get to his 300, so you want to see that. So if he misses three, you know, he's still got plenty of time to get to that 300 mark. I think if he if he gets back after three weeks, he, play, he breaks Dean Cox's record in the derby, so that would be um, that would be nice to, to see. He can um, get the Glenn Downing Allen medal in a derby as he breaks Dean Cox's record, but Probably jumping the gun a little bit there. But, yeah. <laughs> he might he might break um, Hazelby's record for most Glendinning Allen medals if he does that as well. That'd be nice. Oh, look at this. I had it in my heart that he was going to break the record this week, obviously against Collingwood, and that was as fairy tale as it got. But you guys have uh, mm. 
spun a nice little yarn there. I'm, I'm feeling excited about this. Blessing in disguise territory. Uh, also a bit of news from the AFLW front. Season awards, they've, they've wrapped up with their best and fairest. Congratulations to Paris Laurie first up, who won best club person. Bella Lewis takes out the best first year player, which is a really promising sign from the first pick for the Eagles this year. New recruit, Ashley McCarthy, was the runner-up club champion. And even better sign for a rookie player, Bella Lewis has taken out the club's best and fairest. Miguel, it was an injury-interrupted season for a lot of the traditional stars. You know, we, we missed Hooker for the whole season and Swanson had her suspension issues. McCarthy was in and out, but she still managed to finish second. Uh, Bowen, a strong candidate, but all in all, it's actually Bella Lewis who's come away as our best player for the year. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought Michaela Bowen would win it in a canter. So, um, yeah, a bit surprised that she only placed third, but the club champion throws up some strange results from time to time. Um, taking nothing away from Bella Lewis here, she was fantastic in her first year. One of the benefits of uh, the the state-based drafting and us being uh, so much worse on field than Fremantle is we get access to these, but... It's a great pick from the, the club to pick her because um, she wasn't sort of being talked about as the best prospect in the state that I recall coming into that draft. But, yeah, certainly um, exceeding expectations so far and some other good performances in there. Um, the Kelly sisters, I think, finished both finished top five as well. Yeah, great from them. And uh, and Maddie Collier had a good season as well. So, yeah, a lot to like about the, uh, about the women's side. But, yeah, congrats to Bella Lewis. Heroes and villains time. Thank you to everybody who's been in touch with their heroes and villains. Uh, a few predictable choices this week. A lot of shouts for Petch as a hero. And I don't think we've got the swear filter capacity to deal with all of your villains, but a lot of people disappointed with the mindset in the second half. Uh, a lot of people don't really like Kane Corns for some reason, which I appreciate that. I don't know if he's been up chirping again, but when you know, when is he ever quiet? Keys, it's uh, sort of your segment to shine this one, so I'll start with you once again. We've got Villain of the Week nominations. How many do you have? And, and let's hear them. Okay. I'm going to start, jump ahead. I'm going to start my hero because then they'll lead into the goal of the week. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, my Villain of the Week, which is a, is a giveaway. All right. We touched on Petch, shining light. Second quarter, kick from Eagles out to the fence. Petch takes a contested mark on the wing. Kick 40 metres on his left inside 50. There's a marking contest, ball spills free, Winder picks it up, handballs to Petch, handballs to Redden, runs on inside 50, gets the handball back from Redden, runs around Zach Jones, puts on the burners, runs into the clear, 35 out, banana, curves around, goal. Beautiful. Goal of the week, every day of the year. It should be goal of the year as a contender for goal of the year, not just goal of the round. Fix it AFL. <laughs> Goal around, comes out, have a look. Joe Danaher. Joe Danaher? Okay. What has Joe Danaher Joe Danaher's done? the first one. Joe Danaher got the ball in a good, you know, tough shot to kick a goal from on the boundary of 50 metres out on his right foot, tries to kick it to a teammate, misses his teammate by 10 metres easily, who was 20 metres out from goal because he kicked it over his teammate's f-ing head. It rolls through, dribbles through for a goal. Even the commentators said it was an accident, and it was—I think it was pretty sure it was Drain Russell who has got the f- inside of a log. So that's the first nomination. A goal. Dwayne that, Russell is the first a, nomination. A goal, <laughs> a goal from, goal from a skill error. Second one is Jack Madgen from Collingwood, set shot from the boundary. The sort of shot that Dom Shade kicks in his sleep and in Collingwood's nightmares. Yeah, nice set shot at goal, but fuck, it was a set shot at goal. Jesus Christ. And the third one was Darcy Parrish, which was not a bad goal. Now, I've just seen the Danaher one. Sorry, there is no world where he's kicking a goal there. (laughs) Jesus. It's a a f***ing skill error. I mean, mean, he was trying... The guy he was kicking it to, he missed him by 20 metres. Yeah, it's a fortuitous skill error, but it's a skill error no less. He's not put any power on it. He's just trying to chip it into the path of his teammate. So that's the Danaher one. Sorry, you're getting this... uh... Classic delayed live reaction stuff here. Who's this? Imagine, all right. Second quarter. I mean, it's the Sheed goal. It is, it's almost identical to the Sheed goal. Yeah. Not that good. Sheed's goal last week was better. Yep, fair bump, play on. All right, what was the third one? Here, What are we seeing here? Darcy Parrish. Darcy Parrish. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting another replay of the Imagine one. This must be riveting listening Watch, listening to me watch goals. <laughs> None of these are better than Petches. None of these have anything on Petches so far. They're not even close. Here we go, Parrish. Handball inboard. Swans are... 
sort of stuffing it around. There's a possibly deliberate handball. That's a centering kick that he's miskicked. You reckon that's a shot? I reckon that's the second missed kick for goal of the week there. I reckon that's a centering ball. He even shakes his head. He's shaking his head as he's doing the high fives. <laughs> oh, case. Did Oscar Allen get nominated the week before for kicking off his wrong foot? That's a centering his... kick. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. That passage of play from Petch was beautiful. Link up, one, two, inside out on the right boot. Just If you just looked at Petch's just the finish of his goal, running around a couple of blokes, Scholar of the week put the whole thing together where he was got involved in the play on the wing and took a decent sort of contested mark. You look at that and together and you just go, and that's if that was let's just say if that was Eddie Betts, there's no way that's not goal of the week. Oh, yeah, Jordan Degoey. If that was Degoey, that's or it. That's, Jordan that's Degoey, yeah. or yeah, you know, it's how I mean, how he's missed a nomination is just beyond me. I don't, I don't get it. Um, and my other villain of the week is our match committee because how many times do we have to say picking a guy as a sub for a debut is just dumb it's wrong it shouldn't happen it should have been outlawed i mean yeah as circumstances turned out find the basically we got to play a full match but jesus i think even simpson himself said when the rule first came out oh, you wouldn't want to pick a guy on his debut as a sub and then they went and did it which I thought when the, the travelling party went over, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, Winder will be the sub because basically it's looking like it'll be Winder and Vardy at the travelling emergencies and you don't want your bloody backup Ruckman as the sub. But then they flew O'Neill over late and got him to run laps after the game with Vardy. Like, you, you've got O'Neill there. If he's missing out in the waffle, make him the bloody sub. I didn't yeah. understand that. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I, I think it's, yeah, that the sub rule... Counting as a game, I don't like unless the guy goes out. I really hate the fact that some clubs have picked a debutants uh, a debutant as their sub, and they're, I think... they're part of that group. And I'm, I'm really out of out of a shitty weekend. I'm as about annoyed about as that as just about everything else. We shouldn't have done it. If you want him in the side, pick him in the side. Don't put him in as a sub. I don't know that anyone else has done it apart from um, Hawthorne with Connor Downey in the first week, and then everyone's uh, realised. North, North did it as well, that? I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think a couple of clubs have done it, but you know we're okay. we're now in that group of yeah. you know really tone deaf, stupid, and and usually with a debutant, clubs make a bit of a song and dance about you know here's this guy getting selected and how great it is and yada 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 we had none of that jump presentation yeah. family goes yeah. over yeah you know, all of, we all had a stuff, tweet 45 minutes before the game that. saying oh yeah Winders Winders our medical sub so he's on debut congrats mm, yeah yeah you know it, it just you know the whole lot just really poorly handled and then as we said when we we're talking about the match he was he was the wrong type of player to pick as a sub anyway so yeah there's my two villains for now. I'm going to piggyback off that then. And I didn't have this one written down, but I'm now going to piggyback off Keyes' suggestion. Uh, everyone in the changes thread who's suggested uh, Zane True comes in as the sub this week. There's been <laughs> at least two, maybe three people who've suggested that. And, yeah, that's a terrible idea. My main nomination was going to be Gary Lyon, who I'm is one of the ones who I'm sure is going to be a perennial nomination. But... Um, Watching that game was one of the worst football-watching experiences of my life, um, certainly for non-finals, um, just the way we completely shat the bed. But having the soundtrack of him pretty much orgasming over the top of it as we shat the bed was just made it completely unbearable. Um, and he was yeah, he was pretty much openly barracking for St Kilda, even when we were up. When Cripps kicked that goal, he audibly said, oh, no, when it went through. <laughs> Just uh, unbearable. Pull you up there, I think, Meg. I think, in fairness to him, he did say that, but I think the reason he said, oh, no, was because the St. Kilda... No one, no one shepherded defense, it on the mark, yeah. The, the St. Kilda defence really protected the goal line really badly, and if someone had been in the right spot, they would have got a hand on it. I yeah, think, I, I did think to that him, too, but you're, you're ruining a good story here. <laughs> Don't go to bat for Gary. Don't worry, Gary. Far bit for me to defend Gary Lyon, yeah. but you know it's about to get worse. Don't worry about that. Defend him now because it'll get worse. 
Um, villain of the week for me is uh, the West Coast Eagles winning the 2018 Grand Final because apparently it is... This isn't going to be a popular suggestion. No, I know. It's it's maybe not a real one. I didn't really prep for this. I was just pissed off about the whole thing. No, no. The, what, what does it for me is start of 2018, the Eagles are crap. The Eagles are going to go bottom four. Some pundits have us for the wooden spoon as well. But even if they were a bit extreme, the prevailing sense amongst Eagles fans was, oh, we're going the wrong way. Aging list. Where's the youth coming from? When are we going to turn this around? Now, two years later, three years later, wherever we're at, people go, Adam Simpson's a mug for only getting one premiership out of this list. Winning that flag in a lot of ways was about the worst amount of pressure that they could have put on themselves as a club. It's not really, you know, I mean, win flags. That's what we're in the business of here. But God, I just, some of the reaction, you're going to lose some games. That was a shitty game to lose. No one's defending it. But I could really do without the sentiment of we only won one flag. Because if we had disappeared and fallen away and fallen off the brink like Adelaide did, like GWS are threatening to as well, you know, no one would have been looking back, oh, he only got one flag. We would have loved to have one flag. And we got it. So shut up about it. Let's just see what happens this year. Uh, Heroes of the week. Let's make things a little bit more positive. I've got another controversial one here. So Keys, I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you re uh, redress us here with this one. You happy with Patch still? Yeah, Patch. Uh, Bryce Cotton. <laughs> Bryce Cotton. How's that, <laughs> how's that three pointer that sent the game in the overtime last night? Yeah. It's not a good sign. I'm gonna go with him. It's not a good sign when you hear of the week is a <laughs> player for another sport, but. That's right. Actually, we didn't even pick Villain of the Week. We're happy with... We, sorry. Oh, this is all over the place. This is chaos. Who's organising this show? Villain of the Week is, is the goal of the round nomination, surely. Yeah. Completely lost our structure and our composure here. Oh, you'd never... That's unbelievable. You'd never see that. Right. Hero of the Week nomination for Petch and also for Bryce Cotton. To stand up. Uh, Miguel, please, rip, rip this game away from us. What are we doing? I've got, I've got a couple. I've got one person and one uh, inanimate object. <laughs> okay. Uh, the best and... Uh, person is um, a rare nomination for a footy journal in the heroes category rather than the villains but ryan daniels who we love um did an article i think it was in the sunday times that just hit the nail on the head with regard to the uh the issue of um hashtag vic bias and uh and the blockbuster game oh, that one yeah he stole it from the f-ing podcast last week the wanker <laughs> <laughs> exactly what we talked about ryan daniels confirmed listener of the pod oh, g'day okay, ryan well, maybe, hang on maybe Maybe this is my villain of the week nomination. Then um, it was a good article. Yeah, but, but that's because was. we he all wrote it. On the head. He, he addressed, yeah, he addressed some issues that we didn't about the, uh, the the Sunday afternoon time slot, which we keep getting, which uh, not only sucks for fans but denies our emergencies the chance to play reserves. Uh, so yeah, that was my nomination, but I think it's going to get voted down. Um, my inanimate object nomination was for Optus Stadium or whoever's responsible at Optus Stadium at uh, denying Collingwood the chance to train there ahead of the game. Um, oh yeah, I'll go with that one. Just oh, beautiful. Yeah, that's sounds, great. Sounds fair because we never get the chance to train at the MCG. Probably roll them up like the uh, the Dirty Magpies headline did last year, but it's still piss funny to me. So yeah, uh, that that's going to be a hard one to beat. Given that my villain was a 2018 Grand Final, and I, I think my hero is going to be even less popular. Gary Lyon, Hero of the Week. I watched nah, during the week. Too. No, no, hang on, hang on. I watched during the week, courtesy of Oka, to this one as well. Big ups to Oka for sending this one my way. The intro, the pre-game analysis of the 2018 prelim, and Gary Lyon is given at the big ones because the night before was Tigers uh, versus Collingwood. Gary Lyon was given at the big ones about how the Tigers just didn't turn up, and it's a prelim final. How can you not turn up? That's so disappointing for their fans, and that's on them. They've got to turn up. That's the first minute of their pre-game analysis leading into our prelim, and of course we know what happened next. And the halftime is uh, the halftime analysis of that game is is required viewing for all Eagles fans. It's incredible. It's Eddie and and Paul Ruse and Gary Lyon all sitting there absolutely mortified. So uh, just for giving me something to laugh about this week, Gary Lyon ripping the Tigers for not turning up in a prelim hours before West Coast played Melbourne. That gets a Hero of the Week nomination from me. Uh, that's like that's like nominating Joe Danaher for Goal of the Week when he f***ed up. Well, it made me laugh. What, what? So that's it. Didn't do it on purpose. It's just because he's a finger loop. No, uh, yes, but the difference is Joe Danaher was rewarded for his, whereas uh, Gary Lyon was, you know, booed and threatened until our throats were dry. Uh, Hero of the week is Optus yeah. Stadium, I think. Yep. Yeah, Optus Stadium management. Good on them. Good on them. And Bryce Cotton, g'day if you're listening, mate. You're always free to come on the pod.
West Coast Eagles versus Collingwood, 6.10pm, Friday night footy at Optus Stadium. It's 100% capacity now. It's a grand final rematch from a few years ago. It's a finals rematch from last year in a venue that Collingwood have had a lot of success at recently. Quite disappointingly, in fact, they're really the only side that have figured out how to play against us at Optus. So, Miguel, we're coming in on some shocking form. The pies aren't coming in much hotter than that. And uh, all in all, what could have been a blockbuster is actually turning into quite a, a season-defining Friday night. Cripple fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a second week uh, in a row where we're coming up against a Victorian club that is um, was expected to do big things and is coming off a bad loss and uh, has been getting the blowtorch in the media for a week. So, yeah, hopefully it goes a little bit better than last time that happened. Yeah, Collingwood expectations of them this year I think were down a bit just because of the players they lost over the um, you know they're, they're basically having a rebuild year had a bad loss to GWS who have looked poor this year apart from that game um, so yeah that they've gotten the blowtorch but they're uh, they're down on personnel Taylor Adams who they've lost now for probably a similar period of time to us losing Shuey um, but yeah, he was a real driver in their midfield I think he's third overall in clearances so they'll have a hard time replacing him. So I think that's where we really need to step up. We need the guys that are still there to step up and and show the sort of uh, performance they did against Port Adelaide. So we did have the benefit of Shuey in that game, but we need, yeah, we need Kelly to step up. We need Sheed to uh, step up, get over his, um, his illness or whatever it was. And we need um, Gaff to find the form that he had in that Port Adelaide game, because that's his one good game for the year. But yeah, I think it'll really be um, decided in the midfield. Uh, do you want to do selections? My selection's ready to go. Yeah, let's do it. We swing in the axe. I've got four. How many do you have? Uh, I've got three. Far away. Is this like countdown where the person with the most goes first? No. Um, that's one for about... I was wondering if anyone would get that reference. 7% of the listeners will give a shit about countdown. Um, obviously, we've got to replace Hearn, the exact um, situation we brought with it in over four, so can't see us not picking him unless he's injured. There was some vision of him running around uh, on Monday, I think, with uh, some strapping on his calf. So he might have an issue of his own there. Uh, if he does, then um, you know, Foley is getting some really good raps uh, for his waffle form. He, he has looked good in the games that I've seen. So um, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get him in and get him some more um, senior experience. But I think if Witherden's fit, he should definitely come in. He's a real like-for-like replacement for Hearn. Um, that's the easy one. Uh, ruck is, I think, the the main issue. We've got uh, all Australian ruckmen we're coming up against this week in Grundy. Uh, Collingwood will probably bring Darcy Cameron in as well, and I I don't think we can ruck Allen as as the backup in this game. Um, he's looking beaten up. He's looking yeah almost broken. He got beaten by Jake Carlisle, which isn't uh, a great thing to have on your resume. So we need to bring in the second ruckman. Uh, Bailey Williams played his first waffle game on the weekend. Didn't read much about how he went, but I think he'd rather I'd rather him get another run that level rather than send him out to face Grundy. So that means uh, I'm picking Nathan Vardy coming in um, for Jake Waterman, who we talked about at length, but he, uh, he suffered from having to play most of the game out of position, but I didn't think he looked um, right to go. And yeah, for a similar reason, I'm not picking Williams. I think I'm sending Waterman back. Um, so Vardy for Waterman, which will be a popular move. Uh, the other issue which Keyes addressed is that we had um, a real lack of midfield options. When Hearn went down, we couldn't move Duggan out of the midfield because we had no one to replace him. Uh, and that was, uh, as well as Brander played, I think that was a, a result of picking Brander as a midfielder and then picking a bunch of forwards. So uh, Ainsworth apparently had a good game, um, got a lot of the ball. There's some talk from uh, one of the supposed insiders on the board that Ainsworth will be picked this week. He does seem like a good player to bring in for that role of uh, playing mostly forward but having the ability to move up into the midfield if needed because, yeah, that's what we were missing on the weekend. Um, we did try and use Cripps in the last quarter in that, but, that yeah, that didn't work. Um, they showed a reluctance to push Jermaine Jones into the midfield even though he... Um, he did some of that during the preseason. I'm not sure why, but he's looked. They uh, pushed Winder up onto the wing, from what I could see. There were a few centre bounces yeah. where he got there. He either got there very quickly, or he was starting a lot higher than I thought he would. Yeah, he does. He plays a bit of midfield and forward at Waffle, but yeah, I'm not sure about doing that in the AFL um, on debut, coming on as a sub. Um, yeah, Jones has just lacked uh, after that Bulldogs game. He, he's lacked impact. I, I know he does. You know, I love the pressure he brings, and I know he does a lot of stuff that doesn't appear on the the score sheet or the, the stat sheet, but 
is just not having enough impact at the moment. So I think he goes out and Ainsworth comes in and that'll be another popular selection. Uh, so, yeah, they were my three changes. It'd be very easy to make a scapegoat of, of someone else. But, yeah, bringing in guys who are who have just lost by 13 goals in the waffle, I don't know that we can make too many sort of unforced changes to send a message. I think other than those sort of uh, structural changes that I've made, I think we back the same guys in. So Miguel loves... Nathan Vardy and Brayden Ainsworth. That's confirmed. That's locked yep. in. Um, yeah, Jones and, is a tough yeah, one. Yeah, that'll be... Uh, that was my other pick. As, the other change as well was that the uh, Big Footy servers will be shut down after those changes. <laughs> On the announcement of the team. the board will blow up. Christ. Um, yeah, Jones. He's played six games for the Eagles. He's only kicked a goal in one of them. And that was the Dogs game. Of course, he kicked three. He looked really good. You love the chasing, but maybe it's not enough output from him. Um, four he's, change... he's technically he's technically played six, but one of those he didn't get off the bench. Fair so. enough. Yep, fair enough. See, this is the hassle of stat keeping in the sub era. I'm sick of it already. Uh, Witherden for Hearn, yep, makes itself, or at least it should do. A Ruckman for Waterman. I agree with you. We can't be sending Waterman back because he was underdone and then bring in Williams. So whilst I would prefer Williams, I unfortunately have to go back to the well of Nathan Vardy. Uh, O'Neill for Winder just because I want some more midfield grunt and I can't bring myself to bring Ainsworth in with Vardy and then Langdon for Jones uh, for me as well just because of the lack of sheer output from Jones and wouldn't mind giving Langdon another bit of a crack given that it's not quite all worked out just yet so swinging the axe oh, to yeah, a who's, degree so who's your, who's your sub oh, don't you, make me do replaced that Winder. <laughs> I didn't I didn't count Winder I'd leave him in as the sub because I think he's had a run so we don't have the worry now of um debuting him as a sub, I thought, yeah, give him another run. Um, we don't also don't have the worry of playing too many forwards if I'm um, bringing Ainsworth in to replace Jones. So happy to leave Winder as the sub, but I don't know whether you'd sort of, you'd pick one of the, those guys, either Langdon or O'Neill, I suppose, as the, the starting sub. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't really like this new world where we pick four ins, but three outs or whatever it is. It's all a bit bizarre to me. So I'm going to stick with the tried and true four and four method, whether it's a legal team or not. Keys, how how heavily are you swinging the axe? Not as heavily as you guys, I don't think. But I might get there. Obviously, Hearn's out. So, yeah, Witherland's the, the most likely replacement with Foley sort of a close second. Left field, if Witherland's not right, is we bring in O'Neill and push Duggan back. Duggan replaces Hearn and then O'Neill fills in for, for Duggan in the midfield. I wouldn't mind seeing that. The ruck, yeah, I tend to think we might bring Vardy in, but unlike you guys, I think we might see Alan out. I reckon he's he's sore. I saw him grabbing his wrist at one stage during the game, six-day break. Vardy had a rest, so he should be fresh. He kind of likes jumping in the Grundy. Did that a couple of times in 2018 with good results. So put him on a raw meat diet and just say, go get him. So not that I necessarily want to see Alan out of the side, but I think we probably need to give... I think that'll be a forced change. I, I think we'll find that out. After Clone would get on the plane, that's one of the advantages of playing at home. We know who they'll pick. Um, and then we'll say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not playing Alan. So Vardy in for Alan. After that, if it is Witherden for Hearn, O'Neill needs to come in for either Winder or Jones. I don't really care which, just one of them and that'll be me done. I don't like the idea of dropping Waterman. I think we did him a disservice by bringing him in too soon. I think we'll end doing a disservice by dropping him after the game where we put him out of play, him out of position on he'll be better for the run. And if Alan comes out, I think Waterman stays on the side. And then I'd have Ainsworth as a sub. And I think I think O'Neill should really come in because, again, like I said, with Vardy, he had a rest. So he should be actually fresh, having not played on the weekend. So not necessarily what I want, but what I think will happen will be Witherden for Hearn, Vardy for Allen, O'Neill for Tossacorn between Jones and Winder, and Ainsworth as a sub. An interesting structural battle here with Collingwood. It's a team that we know well. They have fallen away a little bit, but as I, as I touched on earlier, you know their, their record at Optus is quite good, and they certainly beat us last year in the final, which still stings. Beat us in 2019 as well by a point, so... A couple of dis- yeah, a couple of disappointing results against the Pies. We'd like to get one back. 
Structurally, though, again, it's all going to come down to this midfield battle because the Eagles and Pies, they're both pretty low-ranked in terms of inside 50s. It's all about who wins the ball out first, who wins the clearances, and, and you know who can get on their bike, get a bit of a scoring run going. Miguel, obviously the ruck battle looms huge. Grundy versus Nick Nat, is, you know, put that on a banner, you'd sell a million tickets. It's what happens once the ball hits the deck for me that is going to decide this game. So where is the improvement coming from, given what we just saw against the Saints? Yeah, it's got to come from from those guys uh, turning in what they did against Port. Because, yeah, our, I looked at our clearance numbers and our um, contested possession numbers, and both the Eagles and Collingwood are sort of mid-table, not very impressive. But our numbers are really boosted by that Port game. Uh, we smashed Port in both those areas. You take that out, and, yeah, we've been fairly poor. So that's where we need to improve and it's it's on yeah kelly she gaff to an extent redden who apart from the port game he's been very quiet in that regard um jared brander if he's going to play in there so yeah i think it's really on those guys it's on the midfield because they're probably not going to be getting the silver service from from nick nat that um that they got in that game in the port game to, to keep harking back to that because yeah grundy's not going to allow that uh, he, he might not beat Nick Nat in the taps, but he's, he's not going to allow Nick to just absolutely spoon feed them field. So um, it's really going to be on on the guys to just hump the ball when it hits the ground. And Keys, if you look at the Magpies this year, they allow the most marks in footy, which is huge for the Eagles. They also allow the second most kicks behind only North Melbourne, who, as we know, are about five minutes away from being moved to Tasmania. So it's a game that looks set for the Eagles' backline to be able to set up our game plan, even if the Pies go out of the middle. If we can get a Barass intercept mark, if we can force a miss, get our hands back on the footy, we might be able to get into our ideal game structure again, uh, which is something that we've seen the club have a lot of success at, particularly at Optus Stadium. Yeah, I think tactics aside, I don't think this game really comes down to... It comes down to mindset, and that's that's where it is. Unfortunately, we're going to get a Collingwood side that are going to be wanting to set the record straight, or you know, they're going to be fired up. They've had a pretty shitty start to the season. We saw how they responded last year, you know, with the dirty magpies and things like that, and no one giving them a chance when they came over here. And again, in 2019, I think they, you know, they won that game by a point or whatever it was because, you know, they really want, they set themselves because they wanted to beat us. We'd beat them in the grand final. We'd beat them earlier that year. So they had a bit of a point to prove. Hopefully the game goes the other way, like the regular season game last year where we smashed them by 11 goals. The difference with that is they had won one, two, they won a couple of games on the on the row, including a good win over Geelong. Uh, they were pretty happy with themselves when they came over here, and we um, we knocked them back in the dirt. So I think you'll find you're going to get two sides that are pretty committed. So it's going to be a grind. We're just going to be have to grind it for longer, you know. And hopefully, you know, we got face Robbo on VFL three hundred and sixty. After giving them 15 minutes of the blowtorch, apparently said, "Oh, it would be great if Collingwood went over there and won to galvanise the side and bring some of that spirit back to the club." Apparently, mm. so, that sounds like a that sounds like a worthy villain nomination. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, good for it. footy. There's a lot of that happening at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's good, yeah, it's it's, it's good for footy if the big Vic sides win. Yeah, it's funny, man. Yeah, so look, Collingwood are going to come out. They're going to they are going to give it a crack. We have to be ready for it. As much as we turn around and say, oh, Collingwood are dangerous because they'll be pissed off, I'm hopeful our guys our guys should be seething at what they turned in last week. And they will be just as, if not more, committed than Collingwood to um, prove a point. I can sort of see this being a fairly tight, low-scoring game because I think it's going to be it's going to be a real battle. You know, we're depleted. We haven't got Yo and Shuri. Collingwood have got, you know, they've got their own set of outs as well. And reports that Darcy Moore's struggling with an Achilles problem as well. Yeah, we, we talked about it. Meg talked about it in the review of the Saints game. We've got to get the ball. We've got to be winning the ball out of the centre. It's a big game, a massive game on Friday. One the Eagles need to win, get the season back on track, just get the mood, feeling like it was when we were last at home. So, Miguel, I'll, I'll throw over to you to start us off with the tips. Who's going to win, by how much, and which Eagle is going to star? Uh, picked us by 28. We, we just have to hear everything Keyes said about Collingwood playing the ground well and, and they'll have their tails up after um, getting the blowtorch from Robbo is all true, but I just think we've got to have our tails up as well. We're at home. We seem to be this year at least a, a, a different team at home. Um, Collingwood leaving Victoria for the first time this year. Um, so 
hopefully that'll throw out their rhythm a little bit. Um, is losing Alicia Taylor Adams. Sorry, who's that? Is Alicia Alicia. <laughs> have some, um, just have some yeah, practice. That's all. All, those, all that stuff's been relaxed, hasn't it? All the COVID rules about who you can shake hands with and play tennis with have been relaxed, apart from the fact you can't have banners. Anyway, yeah, Eagles by 28, um, and best of field to be Josh Kennedy. Um, the, the game last year, the, the home and away game last year, he kicked seven against them, I think, and um, can see him going nuts again if he gets someone like uh, Jordan Ruffhead or, um, or Madgen or, or someone other than Darcy Moore, who's in doubt and probably wouldn't be playing on the the number one forward anyway. I think he'd like to give that to someone else. Yes, seven goals against Collingwood last year and then 3-4 in the final. So definitely not starved of opportunity last year against the Pies. Yep. Uh, for myself, I am going to tip Collingwood because I'm the kiss of death. I think I have been the furthest away from the result every single time this year. So I am just going to tip Collingwood. I'm going to tip him by 17 points. And I had Josh Kennedy as best of field for those reasons exactly. And therefore, I will pivot and say Andrew Gaff to bounce back uh, based on that stat there that the Pies give away the most marks in footy, I like Gaffy to play a really nice link-up game on Friday. Keys, your tip? Yeah, I'm going really well. I tipped us against St Kilda and tipped Kelly to 30-3. and three it. So, how yeah, that f-ing turn out? I reckon I've picked the two ones I've done. I think I've picked us by 24 points both times. Worked out all right against Gold Coast, not so well against St Kilda. So, I'll go a tiebreaker and say Eagles by 24 again. And I'll double down on Kelly to um, bounce back. 16-6. And um, six. be best on ground. 16-6 it. <laughs> well, double down. All in. Yep. Or he'll hit you or kick a three-pointer on the siren. All right, guys, that will do it from us this week. It's been a tough week for the West Coast Eagles, but it followed on from a fantastic week. Let's hope that we can uh, get back into more of that Port Adelaide mood and less of the St Kilda mood as we head into a huge game against Collingwood. Miguel, Keys, thank you very much for coming on, gents. Pleasure as always. And guys, thank you very much for getting in touch with the show. At WCEBF Pod on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We had loads of three-word reviews this week. Love the Heroes and Villains uh, nominations from yourselves as well. So thank you very much for everybody who's getting in touch and reviewing the show, giving us a hero and villain, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. We're going to be recapping a, a triumphant West Coast Eagles victory, and I am going to have got my tip wrong for the fifth week in a row. And everything's going to everything's gonna look up, gents. Can we all agree on that? Yep. Go yep. Eggs. And the, uh, the three-word reviews will have a lot less uh, four-letter words in them. <laughs> That's it. A little bit more nah, family-friendly. You, you f***ing beauty. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> what is that? Fuck you, fuck them. <laughs> That's Paul. Fuck <laughs> you, fuck. <laughs> all right, guys, that will do us for the week. Thank you very much. We will talk to you next week. We might have some commentary coming your way as well in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that one. But until then, we will leave it there. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye. Bye. And um, hopefully someone's got a chainsaw and we can cut Cox's legs down and mm-hmm. put that guy back in his box because I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that was random. I'm keeping that here. <laughs> Was that, I don't know whose ringtone was that. That's amazing. No, no, it was um, it was the uh, oh, my phone just said on oh, new podcast, so I clicked on it and yeah, started <laughs> started playing the coast to coast, the new coast to coast episode. Oh <laughs> no, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I was willing to give you a pass if I thought that was just someone you know, someone giving you a call or whatever it is. You're actively listening to coast to coast during the recording of this podcast. Well, no, I didn't know it was Coast to Coast. New podcast episode. Doing another week. If you think this isn't going in after the after the end of the episode, doing a Gary line and just going somewhere else behind their backs. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the equivalent of the uh, the equivalent of a porn window popping up without warning, but probably more embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ.